In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. It's time for Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi. Everyone has learned lessons in life during their lifetime. Some good, some bad. But from everyone, there has been something learned. And now it's time to share that knowledge. It's called Paying It Forward. Here, these lessons learned are then paid forward to you. With you paying it forward too. Josephine put her professional career on hold after the birth of her first child and turned her attention to being a full-time mother. Well, three kids later, Josephine started her own company, MyMomKnowsBest.com and Glovies, but was dismayed by a lack of information that people would share to help entrepreneurs be successful. That's where Paying It Forward was born. This is Paying It Forward on Drugginet.com. And now, here's your host, Josephine Jirasi. Well, good morning, everyone. It's Josephine here. I hope you had a great, productive week and had time to enjoy this beautiful fall weather with your families. So a few days ago, I listened to an amazing seminar that was run by the Mom Entrepreneur Support Group. You know, that's a group I always mention that was started by Tracy Bisson. Trust me, if you are a mom entrepreneur, this is an amazing group of support, supportive women all out to help one another run a successful business as well as, you know, we all support each other on how to balance the whole idea of running a household and running a business at the same time. So, Back to the webinar. So Barbara Wade, who was a consultant and business coach, was discussing how important it is to have multiple streams of income. And she talked about building a profit pyramid. It was honestly one of the best webinars I've ever listened to. And uh, you can actually go to the Mom Entrepreneur website. That's uh, www.themomentrepreneur.com to listen to that. But I'll tell you, Barbara had an amazing tip that I want to share with you. Um, It has to do with organization. And by now, I'm sure a lot of my listeners are probably realizing how obsessed I am with being organized. So Barbara explained that an effective way to keep track of, you know, all of our many goals and appointments would be to hang a huge calendar on your wall and use small post-it notes to keep track of all of your important upcoming events, your ideas, and your goals. I love that tip. And I plan on purchasing my calendar this weekend, so I hope that tip helps many of you out there. So with that, I'd like to give a real big welcome to our guest today, David Fields. He's a multi-million dollar consultant who co-founded Ascendant Consultant five years ago. David is a master mentor to consultants, coaches, trainers, and other independent professionals. David was named one of Advertising Age Magazine's Marketing Top 100. He's been cited in many, many magazines, articles, some of which were Business Week, Industry Week, USA Today, CNN Money, Investors Business Daily. 
the American Marketing Association, and like I mentioned, many others as well. So what I'm excited to hear about today is um, David's going to be discussing lots of information that he's captured from his book series, More Projects, More Revenue, and I'm so looking forward to hearing more about that book series. So with that, I'd like to give a warm welcome to David Fields. Good morning, David. Good morning, Josephine. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. I know you're such a busy, busy person, and I want to thank you so much for paying your knowledge forward to my listeners today. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. I'm very excited about it. Oh, great. So, David, tell us a little bit um, about your background. I always love to go way back to childhood because it always fascinates me. I have to tell you, I've learned so much from this radio show. And, um, you know, entrepreneurs, I, I really think we're born entrepreneurs. And a lot of times when I ask this question, I get amazing answers. And I would like to know, at a young age... You know, even before the age of 12, did you ever do anything that made you think, wow, maybe when I get older, I'll own my own business? That's so, that is so funny. What a funny question. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. The, I was definitely one of those kids who in elementary school would loan other kids money or pencils or, or whatever in return for a little bit back. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, that's so know, funny. I know. I was making money on my lunch money. And um, that is so funny. Yeah, when I was, a, when I was a, a real youngster, I grabbed a whole box of my father's old business cards. These were mm-hmm. business cards from, I don't know, some venture he had started in the early 60s. And I found a box of cards in a filing cabinet down in the basement. And I thought, perfect. I turned them over, and of course, the, the back was blank. And on the back of each card in red or purple or something magic marker, I wrote, we'll make your car sparkle, car washes, and and put my phone number down. And went around town, the town I grew up with, uh, along with one of my best friends, and we put this business card, which we just transformed without without bothering to tell my father, of course, uh-huh. and, you know, on, on every windshield we could find. And sure enough, we got some calls, and we took our bucket and rags and sponges and car soap and all of that and, and some other things, which I, I won't even say now because I'm embarrassed I use them. Uh, and we rode around doing car washes. So I suppose that's pretty entrepreneurial. That's extremely entrepreneurial. And it's so funny, Andrew, because uh, David, I'm sorry, I see the A in your name. David, um, it's so funny because when I ask that question, you know, I kind of, I always ask it on the spot, and which I don't like to do, but I have in my gut that the answer is always going to be a good one. But I had asked it to one guest a few weeks ago, and he said, well, Josephine, I'm not really sure. And then all of a sudden, he came out with this amazing thing. He said, well, actually, when I was 11 years old, I used to rent my eight-track tapes <laughs> to my friends and it's more or less you know what netflix is doing nowadays you know and it, it's just funny how you know i think we're born entrepreneurs what's your feeling about that david i think that it certainly takes a certain ability to weather storms and a certain amount of self-confidence and whether we're born that or taught that at an early age or modeled it, I'm, I'm not the one to say. But I, there are definitely people who have the right profile 
and people who struggle. When I co-founded Ascendant Consulting about five or so years ago, um, shortly after co-founding it with another consultant, the other consultant said, I cannot do this entrepreneurial gig. And so probably three months or so after starting it, I bought him out. Uh, It was just not for him. And we had Mm -hmm. both belonged to a, a boutique consulting firm before that where we were partners. And it's one thing to be a partner in a firm. It's another to own it. Yeah. And so that was that was as good an indication as any that some people are cut out for it and some people are not. Yeah, I, I think you're so right about that. So, um, so David, bring us um, through your life a little. So tell us a little bit about your college days, and then tell us what you did after college. Wow, um, I didn't I didn't have any idea I was going to be going through my my whole background. This is this will be fun. I actually <laughs> didn't, I actually didn't want to go to college. I was in high school. I was working. I worked all the time. I worked at a retail store in town. This is before there were chain stores uh, everywhere. So it was a mom and pop retail store, and I loved working. And I loved working retail. And I was, as a high schooler, I was managing this store. I would open it. I would close it. And I didn't see any particular reason to go to college except maybe how to learn to run a store better Um, Mm -hmm. because, you know, this was fun. I was making money. None of my friends made money. And, uh, you know, but I knew the right thing to do was to go to college. So I did go to Carnegie Mellon, where I ended up uh-huh. getting a, a couple of degrees. And even while there, uh, I was sort of starting businesses, working, doing, doing all those co- sorts of things, which I suppose a budding entrepreneur would do. Uh, out of business school, and I, I, I'll skip some, some transitions in there. I didn't, go, uh-huh. I, I didn't do the standard four-year plan. Let's put it like that. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I did take a break to work overseas. And, uh, but, but having graduated from business school uh, at Carnegie Mellon's business school, I actually worked for a corporation. And I think that was a, the right way to go. I think it was a mm-hmm. tremendous learning experience because I got to work in a blue chip consumer products company mm-hmm. uh, organization, which taught me marketing. And went from there into consulting about, I don't know, 12, 14 years ago, something like that. And again, got to learn it from a truly brilliant, brilliant entrepreneur and consultant. And so that, you know, by the time I was going on my own five years ago, I had Mm -hmm. the benefit of wonderful training. Oh, yeah. See, I think it's great. And I also worked in the corporate world, David, and um, running your own business is so different, but it's really great to learn the fundamentals, if you, you know, if you can say that from a big corporation. And it's all about being a sponge and gathering as much information as you can so that you can gain your expertise. And when you feel confident enough to go out and um, start your own business is an amazing, amazing thing. So I think you've done a really, really great job at that. So um, we have a little while before we're going to take our first break. But um, David, so tell us a little bit I, I can't wait to – I have so many questions for you because you must talk – how many entrepreneurs do you think you've consulted with in, in the past five years? Oh, holy cow. Uh, I wouldn't like even hundreds, know, I wouldn't probably. even know where to start answering that question, yes. Yeah. Uh, many, I, many, many. 
Yeah, so when we come back from our break, we're going to come up to a break real soon, but when we come back, I really want to know what the biggest challenges most entrepreneurs um, are faced with and the advice that you can give them. And then um, I can't wait to hear all about, you know, some tips that you might have for people starting out. Um, You know, as you know, I own my own company. It's called My Mom Knows Best. I'm the inventor of Glovies. And I have tons of questions for myself that I'm sure a lot of the listeners are going to um, benefit from learning about. So, And one other thing I really do want to mention is I can't wait to hear all about your elite consultant mentor program. So we'll probably do that um, we'll at the do third whatever, segment. We'll do whatever works for you. You ask whatever <laughs> questions and we'll go from there. Okay. Sounds perfect. So David, we'll be back from our short break. Thanks. <laughs> We'll be right back with more Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi right after these on Toginet.com. Come be a part of Pat Sloan's Creative Talk Radio. Her goal is to inspire you to be creative every day. Pat Sloan's Creative Talk Radio, Monday afternoons at 4, 3 Central on Toginet.com. Pat lives and breathes being creative through her quilt design business, but her creativity and interests have no bounds. On her show, she'll be introducing us to guests through interviews and talks that have a creative life. We'll learn more about what goes on in the world of quilting. And since Pat, like many of us, is creative in many ways, she'll also introduce us to creative people in other crafts like knitting, crochet, paper arts, and lots more. Pat is also an author, a lecturer, designer, and cheerleader of many. She's tried her hand at making almost everything you can think of and does many crafts to keep her inspired to create. Check out her website, patsloan.com. What makes Pat most happy is to inspire others to be creative every day. So join us for Pat Sloan's Creative Talk Radio, Monday afternoons at 4, 3 Central on Toginet.com. Okay, we will. We're going to teach you how to tell your money where to go. It's Intelligent Investing with Pam Otten on Toginet. Learn how to be a savvy investor from someone who has your best interest at heart. Pam Otten is a financial advisor who loves to help successful business owners and entrepreneurs understand the mysteries of the investment world. And she's not afraid to share that knowledge. Pam is an unashamed Christian and qualified kingdom advisor, which means she's trained and committed to integrating biblical principles into her financial advice. Pam believes investing isn't rocket science. This is the financial advisor who's in your corner and truly understands and cares about you and helping you achieve your goals. Securities and advisory services are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. It's Intelligent Investing with Pam Otten on Toginet. Welcome back to Paying It Forward, the show dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful as we discuss accomplishments, lessons learned, and sharing those ideas. Now, let's get back to Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi on toginet.com. Well, welcome back, everyone. It's Josephine here, and we have David Fields, who is a co-founder of Ascendant Consultant with us today. So, David, my question to you is, right before a break, we were talking about what advice do you have to give somebody that's really just starting out in business? So, just starting out in business and, and wants to be an entrepreneur or just yes. starting out in business in general? No, and wants to be an entrepreneur. Okay. And the, and the reason I ask that is because when people 
uh, ask me, especially youngsters or, or people who have uh, maybe college-age kids and are saying, where do you think my kid should go or my kid wants to do this or that, I always give the same answer, which is start in sales. And hmm. so for someone especially who's in the beginning of their career, if in wants to be an entrepreneur, I would actually say, and this may sound counterintuitive and, and different from everything you've heard before, but I would say put your entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial ambitions on hold for two mm-hmm. years. Find a corporation that will hire you as a salesperson. And here's why. The most important skills you can learn, I, I believe in life, not just to mention business, are mm-hmm. communication skills and interpersonal skills. And you learn those in sales. You learn at a very young age, very quickly, how to manage people, how to communicate with people, how to listen, how to keep your confidence when, when people are saying no, and all those important lessons which are going to serve you so well through life and so well as an entrepreneur. But let's assume that, that we're past that stage and mm-hmm. someone wants to, to start up a company. Uh, what would I say that they do? Uh, I, I think that the, the most important thing that you can do, actually, is, well, I'll give two pieces. One is have a support network. You can't start any enterprise alone and succeed for long. You need a support network, usually at home, which might mean mm-hmm. a partner or a spouse or good friends or some sort of group or coaches or mentors or clergy or whatever it is that works for you that can help you during those darker days. Because every entrepreneur faces days that are gloomy or where things don't look like they're going to work out. Uh, every entrepreneur faces a dip at some point or other. And it's yeah, important. That's, yeah, I agree right. with you, David. That's that entrepreneurial roller coaster that, oh my gosh, if we can survive that, <laughs> I feel like we could survive almost anything. Oh, I am telling you, absolutely the truth. And you know, I'm very fortunate. I have a thriving practice. I've done extremely well. But I'm the first one to admit that when I owned my own company, the first year, uh, especially the first six months, were a financial disaster. And I have been there. I have been at that place where I was worried about whether or not I'd be able to keep my house, where every dollar had gone out, and I didn't know when any were going to come in. What's amazing yeah. is you can go from there to a multi-million dollar practice in a matter of 12 months or a couple of years. Uh, But you have to be able to survive that time. Yeah, and it's so, so common, David, because a lot of times, like I can tell you, even with my product, my Glovius product, I have worked five years really, really hard on bringing this product to market, which is really very, very difficult. But the thing is, I'm like coming around the corner and I see the finish line and I'm hoping to God that it's there. But like you said, it's a matter of watching every penny because you have no choice, but hopefully that um, pot of gold is going to be waiting there because you've sacrificed and you've worked hard for it, you know? Yes, and also probably work smart. By coming up with your company and your product and learning how to commercialize it and bringing it to to market, you didn't do all of that yourself. You don't manufacture the product yourself. And it's important for entrepreneurs not to try to do everything themselves. You must, must, must have a good accountant. You must, must, must have a good attorney. And it's usually helpful 
to find professionals who are good at what they do, who can be inexpensive or are great value, which isn't always inexpensive, that can help you and delegate. And that way you can focus on what you do, whatever it is that brought you into the market, which is maybe helping moms with young kids, in Mm -hmm. in your case, or solving a certain need. Mm -hmm. The more you focus there and more you try to understand what it is your particular set of customers need, what they want, how you can help them, how you can provide value, the better you'll do. But if you're spending your time building a website, or you're spending your time figuring out your, your books, or trying to research some legal issue you've come into, you're not paying attention to your customer. And mm-hmm. that cuts your chances of succeeding. And so it, as scary as it is, you actually do need to let go of some of, of your business and let other people help you. Yeah, that's such a great piece of advice. And I'll tell you, David, one of the best things I had heard um, at a conference I attended was that you must work on your business and not in your business. And that's precisely what you just said. Do what you love doing the most and hire people that maybe are even better than you for things, you know, such as accounting and hiring a good attorney. So I love that advice. I think that's great. Yeah, it is. You know, it's very interesting why people don't outsource. And the, the reasons for that are, I think, not necessarily obvious. Because it's not just money. It's really not about money. What it's about is confidence in your own ability to make use of time. So if you don't believe that, if you, if you, could, that you could use that time to grow your business, then you won't try and give yourself extra time. Because that's what outsourcing does. It gives you extra time. You, you are offloading some work to someone else. And if, if you fundamentally are, don't have that confidence in yourself, well, then you will, you'll keep it to yourself. The other reason people don't outsource is mm-hmm. they use it to procrastinate. They do tasks which maybe they're not best suited for, but it takes extra time, and they can do it. And so I tell people, if you're going to procrastinate, Really procrastinate. I mean, do it well. If you're going to take Mm -hmm. time off, go outside, enjoy the weather, play with your kids, do whatever you're going to do. But don't do this sort of half-baked procrastination. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Really do it. That's great. No, that's great, great advice. I know one of the moms who had this really incredible online business. David, she did precisely that. She turned to every one of her clients and she said, you know what, I'm taking the summer off and I'm spending the time with my kids. And you know what, she came back refreshed in September. I bet you she ended up with, you know, twice as many clients because she did that and she came back with a whole new focus. But you're so right. It's like clear off your desk, close that door in your office and take that time off if that's what you're going to do. That's a great piece of advice because we have a lot of mom entrepreneurs listening out there and they have to realize. And hopefully some dad entrepreneurs too. I'm obviously, I'm a dad entrepreneur and one of the reasons I have my business and I run my entire consulting practice out of my house. Oh, great. Uh, I'm a home office here. I'm looking out over, um, it's just gorgeous out today in in Connecticut. And uh, one of the reasons I do this is so that when my sons get off the bus, I can put the job aside and I can be with them. And mm-hmm. creating that work-life balance is one of the joys of being an entrepreneur. It, well, yeah. <laughs> on the other hand, you do tend to work all the time. <laughs> so when the kids yeah. go to bed, then I'm, I'm back at work. 
Yeah, that's a running joke, David, that a lot of, you know, people say that they work from home so they can spend more time with their family. And a lot of times we end up working more hours than when we worked in corporate America because, you know, sometimes you have to do what you have to do. But it's all about figuring out that balance. And for me personally, David, I try to condition my mind to say, you know what, some weeks are just going to be a lot more productive than other weeks. And if certain things come up with the kids that are important, then you know what, sometimes the business has to take a little bit of a back seat. And then the following week, I try to make up for it. So like, like you said, it's all about balance. And uh, it's not the easiest thing. No, but (laughs) it's not the easiest thing. Um, But as long as you have your priorities straight, it becomes easier. If you don't know what your priorities are, then it becomes confusing and, and you don't really serve any of your priorities well. When your children are your first priority, and for most of us, our children are our first priority, it's actually very clear. Um, mm-hmm. And I have other priorities. So my clients know that at 3 o'clock on Fridays, I close the office, period. Oh, there, there are no exceptions ever, unless someone's in, in mortal danger. And mm-hmm. the CEO of DuPont could call. And mm-hmm. if it's at four o'clock on Friday, he's not getting a, a phone call back because from Friday at three till late Saturday night, I close the office. And, my, and that way, my family has that time and there are no exceptions. So I create that and I, because I know my priorities. If you know yeah. your priorities, it becomes a little easier to balance. Yeah, I think it's great. And you know what, David, it's all about having a fulfilling life. And if you don't manage that balance, I think, you know, in the end, it doesn't matter if your business has skyrocketed and your family has suffered because of it. So I think you're so right. It's just a matter of every person is an individual and try to figure out what is best for you. And I like that idea of shutting down the office at three o'clock and then that's it. I highly recommend it. I really do. It's been been great for me. I've, I've never wavered on this rule. And it, yeah. is, it has been great, and it's sacrosanct, which means no matter how much I want to work on a Saturday, I will not do it. Yeah. And that by keeping it sacrosanct, by never violating it, I know and my family knows that time will always be there. Yeah, I think that's great. So now I have a quick question for you, sure. David. You were just talking about priorities. Tell us about the business plan. Is that where a lot of the priorities come? Like, how do you feel about the business plan? I know it's a revolving document, but how crucial is it for somebody to sit down and write a business plan? I I have mixed feelings on business plans, uh, to be honest. I think that most business plans are not worth the the paper they're written on. And it depends who your audience is. Mm-hmm. Often business plans are written so that you can get financing, and that's a different kind of business plan than a business plan which you're writing for yourself to direct the work you're going to do. And I think as long as you don't overthink the business plan mm-hmm. and don't spend all your time working on the business plan, then it's great. Give yourself direction. But there's no substitute for actually doing the work. Right. So yes, take some time, create a plan, think through the the key aspects of business and there are some key aspects but Mm -hmm. don't spend all your time on it 
Okay. I like that. So create the plan, but, you know, doing the work is just as important. Yeah, okay, important. great. Yes. All right, David, we'll be right back. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be halfway through paying it forward. We'll be right back with more Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi, right after these on Toginet.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. I love it. Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen know it. Join these soul sisters on Toginet.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. Showcases two sides. One, to help entrepreneurs showcase their products and tell their story of their happily ever after. And two, to interview people who have realized their own fairy tale and doing something to benefit others. This show is here to help folks who have an idea and want to get it off the ground, as well as to inspire people to make the world a better place by doing something extraordinary or out of the box to help others. Both of these entrepreneurs have their own businesses and websites. With more information on their passions and successes, first for Debbie, FairytaleWishesInc.com. And for Deanna, TheNextBigZing.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. With the Soul Sisters, Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen on toginet.com. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Pidwell. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on toginet.com. Life after an autism spectrum diagnosis doesn't have to be difficult. It can be joyful, happy, and filled with hope. Join Shannon Penrod, author, speaker, coach, and mom of a six-year-old recovering from autism for this inspirational hour of hope. She's even authored a series of children's autism books with her son, Jim. For more information about the books, Shannon, and Everyday Autism Miracles, go to her website, shannonpenrod.com. From there, you can also get to her other websites, blogs, and connections. On Everyday Autism Miracles, you'll hear stories from parents whose children have made miraculous strides. You'll also get the inside dish on therapies, treatments, supplements, and how to get funding to help you afford them. Miracles abound in the autism community. So tune in for Everyday Autism Miracles to listen, share, laugh, and surround yourself with hope. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Penrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Paying It Forward, the show dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful as we discuss accomplishments, lessons learned, and sharing those ideas. Now, let's get back to Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi on Toginet.com. Well, welcome back, everyone. It's Josephine, and I have David Fields on the line with us today. David, can you do me a favor? Can you please tell my listeners how they can get in touch with you if they want to? Oh, well, sure. Uh, the easiest way is just to email me at david at davidafields.com. Uh, and I respond to that. My turnaround time is exceptional. I have a great response rate. So David at davidafields.com will work great. Okay, great. All right. So, David, we were just talking about the business plan, and during the break you had mentioned that there's one really important piece that um, people forget. Is that yeah, correct? That, yeah, that people leave, not just people, <laughs> companies leave out. I've had this, this conversation with CEOs of Fortune 100 companies. What they leave out is plan B and plan C and plan D. Businesses write plans, these business plans, thinking everything's going to go the way that they want it to go, but it doesn't. And the difference between a company that does extremely well and a company that just gets murdered by a condition they didn't expect is having backup plans. And the backup plans don't have to be prescient, and they don't have to know exactly what's what's coming up. The very fact that you've written backup plans gives you flexibility and 
stops you from being sort of that, that deer in the headlights look when the world doesn't turn out the way you had hoped. And there are all sorts of great examples. But if I could get people who are writing business plans to do one thing, it would be to make sure you write a plan B. What could go wrong? And if it goes wrong, what will I do? Wow. That's powerful, David. I've never heard anybody say that before, but you're so, so right. Because a lot of times, I mean, what do you do when you're just kind of standing there and it really didn't work? And then all of a sudden you're kind of stuck and you probably get, I call it, um, you know, the entrepreneurial um, paralysis mode where you're, you're kind of like a deer in the headlights. Now what? And if you think it out ahead of time, chances are you'll be able to move along that much quicker. So I love that piece of advice. So David, you're full of business tips today and um, I thought we'd move on to um, some incredible business tips that um, you have. One of them was about capturing a market. No matter what business you are in, it comes down to four factors. Can you discuss that a little more? Absolutely. And as, and as we speak, I'm actually writing mm-hmm. a webinar on that for my corporate clients, uh, though it'll be just as useful for entrepreneurs. Oh, there good. are four pillars to capturing a market. And again, it doesn't matter whether you're an entrepreneur. It doesn't matter whether you are uh, ExxonMobil. It's the same four pillars. And that's understanding your customer, being able to communicate well with your customers, which is usually comes down to marketing and sales, building great relationships with your customers, and delivering. And delivering means doesn't literally mean getting in a truck and delivering, though that can be the case. It means delivering on your promises through the, okay. your product, through your offer, through whatever it is. And if you do those four, if you understand your customer, you communicate with them well, you build good relationships, and you deliver against expectations, you can capture a market. If you're missing any of those, you will struggle mightily. Mm-hmm. So tell me, how does an entrepreneur go out there and understand their customer, David? Do you have some advice as far as that goes? Because simply for my Gloviest product, I'll tell you, it was a learning curve for me in the very, very beginning when I first started my business. Somebody asked me who my customer was, and do you know what I said? I said, it's toddlers between the ages of two and six who want, you know, who need to keep their hands clean from germs in public places. The truth of the matter is that's not my customer. And how did my, you find that? And how did you find that out? It was really trial and error, David. It's uh, it was talking to other entrepreneurs and realizing that that's not who my customer is. My customer is the mom, the that's dad, right. the caregiver, whoever is out there purchasing the product for their toddler. So that was really a rude awakening for yeah, me. That, that, that's great. That's actually a very good lesson which many uh, business people never learn, which is there's a difference between the user of your product and the buyer of your product, the decision mm-hmm. maker. And your target is the decision maker, the person actually purchasing, not the person who's using. And so that was great. And the way you learned it is the way I would recommend for most entrepreneurs, which is don't assume that because you think the world a certain way and you think a certain product or offering is good, that the rest of the world will view it that way. You must go out and talk to people. As an entrepreneur who doesn't, doesn't have the resources to do a huge market survey, what you do is you pick up the phone. Mm -hmm. And you call people, and you talk with them, and you say, here's my idea, and you try to talk to your target audience. But you you can only do this if you're willing to listen. 
because people will give feedback that you don't necessarily like. They're going to mm-hmm. say, you know what, that's actually not your target. They'll say, uh, Josephine, I think that you should change your product slightly. And if you mm-hmm. hear that consistently and you're not willing to listen to it, you'll be challenged. On the other hand, if you are willing to listen and if you are willing to go out there and ask people, then, you can under- then you'll understand your customer better, again, your decision maker, the buyer, and you'll be able to create an offering which speaks to them. You'll know what they want. Yeah, you're so, so right, David. I'll tell you, um, you can buy my Glovies on my website. And um, some woman had purchased it, and she had a question. And I had picked up the phone, and I had called her. And number one, she was so impressed to have been speaking directly to, to me. And number two, she was a grandmother. And she made me realize that, oh, my God, that's a whole nother market I never would have even thought about. And she explained to me that, listen, when I take my... My grandkids out to lunch once a week. I can't lift them to wash their hands. I have a bad back. And she said, I love your product because I just put those glovies on the kids and I don't have to worry about them touching anything. I don't have to really worry about washing their hands because they're protected. And I said, wow, David, that was a rude awakening for me again. So knowing your customer, like you said, is so, so important. Oh, it is. It is actually, it is it's the number one most important thing. You must know your customer. You must know what they want. And that's often different from what you think they want. And it's often different from what you think you're best at or what you want to differentiate on. And one of the things I often tell entrepreneurs is you don't have to be best at something. What you have to be is better at something your customers want. And that, that also can be a real eye-opener. For businesses because they're, they're trying hard to be best at something. They want to be the fastest or the biggest or the cleanest or, or whatever it is they figured out they can do. What's more important is what do customers want? What becomes something that differentiates on an important factor to customers? And uh, I will tell you a quick story. Many, many, many years ago, I used to run the Tums business and the Tums and Acid business. Uh-huh. And At the time I got onto the brand, it was Tums versus Rolaids, and they were sort of neck-and-neck products, and each one was saying, we're stronger, we're faster. And so they kept trying to be bigger and better and faster. And then we did some research and realized that one important factor, especially for women, was calcium, not faster. They were both fast enough. But our product was made with calcium carbonate. The other product, Rolaids, was not. And once we started advertising the ingredients, mm-hmm. within, within a year or so, I think we had doubled the share. So it's not a matter of what you think yeah. you're best at. It's just a matter of figuring out what the customers want and then being able to satisfy that. Yeah, you're so smart because you're right about that, David. I'll tell you, at the time when Tums came out with that information, I was pregnant. And my OBGYN had me taking Tums for the calcium. Which I very much appreciate. Yeah, we really, you know, they really pushed it and it worked out really well. So, um, and I can't even imagine how much, like you said, it doubled your market. That's amazing. It is. especially It is amazing, especially considering the brand was already something like 70 years old at the time, so, oh, which yeah. just goes to show you, you can have a mature business and still grow it as long as you understand your customers and, and, and do what they're asking for. Just see what it is that they need, what they really want. 
and go for that. So it's not about you. It really isn't. It's not about you and what, what you want to do and what you're good at. It's about what customers want and how you can fulfill that. Okay, I think that's great. So, David, let's go to the second factor that you mentioned, the communication with customers. So you mentioned already that, listen, it's important to just pick up the phone and talk to your customers. I think that's great. But I would love to know your input on social media. Well, it depends on your – social media depends completely on your customer base. If you are an entrepreneur going for the retail market – which you are in your case. Mm-hmm. I think social media has the potential to be effective. I think it's still in its infancy. And for the majority of people, they haven't figured out how to use it. I mean, the people who really know who do best with social media are those who are selling social media. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As for the rest of entrepreneurs, it, has, it definitely has potential. It has opportunity, especially if you're going after the retail market. If you're going after the business market, whether that's small local businesses or global powerhouses, social media is not where I would turn first. Okay. It's, it's, not a, it's not yet a business medium for the most part that I have seen. Um, right. you know, call me old-fashioned, but that's how I see it. No, I tend to agree with you there. Okay, so that's great. Now, um, the third factor was relationships with customers. So how can we really establish good relationships? I mean... We were talking about social media. How important is it, David, to get face-to-face with your customers? Depends on what they want. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know this is, is sounding like a, a broken record, but here's mm-hmm. another case where most business people, most entrepreneurs are, are thinking about it from what they want as opposed to what customers want. I think, how do I create, how do I get to meet my, my customers? Uh, how important is it? Well, ask them. Because in some businesses, they don't want to meet you. All they want is an extremely easy information gathering and purchasing process. Well, if that's mm-hmm. the case, then make it very easy for them to gather information about your product and to purchase it. And don't get in the way. Don't impose your views of how they want to interact with you upon the process. In other cases, they do want to be able to talk with you. And the kind of business that I run and the kind of entrepreneurs I help most, which are, are consultants and coaches, that is a personal business where people want to be able to talk with you. And so how important is it? Well, anytime a customer says, I'd really like to see you face-to-face, and they have a good reason, I'm going to be there. Um, I have a 120-minute turnaround policy, meaning any client who calls, I call them back within 120 minutes. Oh, that's great. And, and that's true whether it's a one-person company or, or a 40,000-person company. And that's because I know that creating that level of relationship in my business is very important. But don't impose that on on your customers. Figure out how they want to communicate. Oh, that's great. You are such an efficient business person, and um, I love the, the tips and the advice. But okay, we'll be back shortly after this quick break. We'll be right back with more Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi right after these on toginet.com. Get ready for the Not-So-Soccer Mom Tuesday afternoons at 1 Eastern, noon Central on Toginet with Jill Hickey. You name it, from politics to pop culture to Jill's search for the perfect bronzer and chicken salad. The Not-So-Soccer Mom will weigh in on it all. The sentence, I have no opinion about that, is one that Jill has never uttered. Everybody 
In the early 90s, Jill finally decided to put her thoughts, opinions, mom advice, love of pop culture, hummus, and Starbucks, working out, cosmetic shopping, and politics into an actual website, and thus NotSoSoccerMom.com was born. Shortly after her fourth child, a boy, Jerome, now she's really got tons of topics to share with you. This is Laugh Out Loud Funny, and we're not kidding. What's a loud Nebraska girl who lived in Little Rock for many years and now is up in the Northeast doing, chronicling her opinions on everything? The wheels aren't off yet, but it's close. It's the Not-So-Soccer Bomb with Jill Hickey. Tuesday afternoons at 1 Eastern, noon Central on toginet.com. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it's time for the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 Central on toginet.com. Marla believes that with the right mindset, anything is possible. Join us as successful life coach Marla Tabaka inspires you and her clients to explore, discover, and live your dreams by developing what she calls the Million Dollar Mindset. Marla will inspire you to take action on your dreams and reveal secrets to success that will help you realize your own unique power. Tune into the Million Dollar Mindset for heartwarming stories with Marla Tabaka. Learn tips and tricks to building a successful business and unlock the secrets to creating a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. For more information on the Million Dollar Mindset, go to our website, MarlaTabaka.com. That's M-A-R-L-A-T-A-B-A-K-A.com. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Paying It Forward, the show dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful as we discuss accomplishments, lessons learned, and sharing those ideas. Now, let's get back to Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi on Toginet.com. Well, welcome back, everyone. It's Josephine here. And um, before the break, we were talking about amazing tips that David Fields is giving us, all of his business tips. But there's one thing that he is – can I call you an expert on this, David? You can call me an expert on anything. I won't object. (laughs) Okay. But can you explain to my listeners the whole concept of net preference? Sure. And I will do this quickly, and what I will say is to contact me for more information, because I do very long sort of seminars and and speaking gigs on this. So I'm I'm just going to to cover this in the shortest terms. Okay. Any company has one goal, one overarching metric, and that would help them manage. And it's not profit, because profit is a lagging indicator. Same thing with sales. It's a lagging indicator. You only find out afterwards, you know, if you're you're doing the right thing. The leading indicator is what I call net preference. And net preference means all things considered. When a customer looks at you versus the alternative, do they turn to you or do they turn to the alternative? And that means that includes what your actual offering is. It includes how you deliver it. It includes how you communicate with them. It includes virtually everything you do. And so what, what the sort of important idea here is to understand that everything you do in your business either affects net preference or you shouldn't be doing it. Mm-hmm. So if you cannot connect the work you're doing to somehow building your net preference with your customers, you probably shouldn't be doing that work. And when you do connect everything to net preference, then you start to realize, you can start to understand what things can I work on that will have the greatest impact on my customers' preferences. 
so that they would be more likely to turn to me than an alternative. And that alternative may also be just not doing anything. It doesn't mean a competitor necessary, necessarily. So net preference is this idea that all of the things, not just price, not just features, but everything about what you do drives your customer's preference for you versus competition. Wow. That's did, did pretty I just powerful. Go, did, we, did we just go too deep? <laughs> no. It's pretty powerful, but it just it seems to me that, you know, you're really saying that you have to satisfy your customers. It's all about giving them what they want, and almost everything else will follow. Is that correct, David? It's a lot about that. It's also, for entrepreneurs, here's what I would say. Here's how you use this concept. Okay. Look at what you're doing during the day. Look at what you actually work on, and what you have as your projects. And think of them, think of them from a very, excuse me, a very specific perspective, which is what impact will this activity have on prospective customers' preference for me versus the competition? And then reprioritize what you do based on that answer. Because when you, sometimes you think something's important, but if you mm-hmm. actually connect it back to whether customers will buy from you, it's not that important. In which oh, wow. case, you need to lower its priority. Because ultimately, you're trying to do one thing. You're trying to get customers to choose you. Mm-hmm. And if some, and, and if it, and if whatever you're working on doesn't make that happen, it's actually not that important. Yeah, you know what? That goes to the fact, David, that I'm sure there are a lot of um, entrepreneurs out there like me that sometimes at the end of the day, I just feel like I'm spinning my wheels. And perhaps it goes to this whole concept that it just means go back and revisit your priorities. And if it's not you know, geared toward that net preference, then just re reorganize your priorities, I guess. Right. Or or just you know what I've also recently learned, David, sometimes it's just better to take your desk and push everything off. Almost like just clear your desk physically and start with a clean slate. And I have to tell you, um, it's also helped tremendously to just start all over. Sometimes as entrepreneurs, we've got to be willing to say, you know what? I've been spinning my wheels a little too long. It's not working. Let me start out fresh and go forward. Well, that is, that is for darn sure. If you're not failing at all, one thing you know is you're not trying hard enough and you're not moving forward. I learned at the beginning of this show that you like sticky notes. I love them. I heard that (laughs) when you were talking about the calendar. And so here's what I'd say for you, Josephine, is take a sticky note and write on it, is this helping create one more sale? And put that on your computer. And then every time you're, you're doing something, take a look and you can ask yourself, is this helping me make a sale? So maybe shorthand it. Is this helping me make a sale? And if it's not helping you make a sale, put it aside. And a sale can be long-term. So for instance, making sure I have put content out there which is helpful to people, mm-hmm. I understand is going to help my customers prefer me versus an alternative, versus maybe using an internal resource or not doing anything. So I see directly how that affects things. You know, on the other hand, uh, doing my taxes, mm-hmm. that's not helping me build a sale. Not right. important to me. I delegate it. I get somebody else to do it. Um, 
So I can, anytime I'm doing an activity, I can think through, is this helping me make a sale? So put that little sticky note on your computer and see whether that, that helps orient what you're doing. I love that, David. And it's so funny because I recently heard somebody else say something a little similar. And he said, take your list of things to do for the day and put a dollar sign next to the thing that's going to actually get you more sales. And it, yeah. it goes right in the same line of what you said. That, um Focus on the things that are going to actually bring money in. So um, so tell us a little bit more, um, David, about this whole idea. Um, you had mentioned earlier that with your business, get it to be good enough and go. You're seeking right. success, not perfection. Exactly which, right. Which is so important because, you know, a lot of times we try to make everything so, so perfect that we actually miss a deadline because of it or we foul ourselves up because of it. But I love what you say next, that you say you are seeking forward movement, not smooth sailing. Can you talk about that a little? Absolutely. Miss it. <laughs> it- if you're, if you're afraid of getting a no or you're afraid of doing something wrong, then you, you don't move. But getting things wrong and, and doing things wrong and having setbacks and, and hearing a no or running into problems, that, I mean, that's part of being an entrepreneur. And what you're, you're not trying to have everything be smooth and easy. What you're trying to do is move forward. Often when I run into entrepreneurs, and again, I, I help a lot of service professionals, and if they're in the local market, what I tell them is you need to become known in that market. And one of the best ways to become known is to write. Get yourself published in the local paper. And people will say, oh, gosh, you know, I'm not a good enough writer. Or I, I wouldn't know exactly what to say. My answer is who cares? <laughs> right. Write it anyway. Write it. Send it in. An editor will help you or an editor will guide you or they'll say this isn't interesting. And at least you'll know. And you can make it more interesting next time. But if you, if, if you just say, well, I can't, and I don't know, and the prop, then you're not getting anywhere. So go out there, do it, write something, get an article published where you are the expert. And that at least is moving forward. Yeah. Well, I mean, what's the worst that could happen? The editor can reject it. Or let's say you publish something, and uh, the mayor of the town says, well, that was completely stupid. Mm-hmm. You know what? That's great. At least you've got attention. At least the, you know, the mayor of the town is making you well-known. And, and in about six months, no one's going to remember that you were on one side of the issue and the mayor was on the other side. They're just going to remember your name. Right. I think that's amazing. So, David, you're going to laugh at what I'm working on currently. So you have to write something that you're an expert with, right? So, of course, I'm running my own business. I've got my radio show and everything. But um, as far as being a mom, this organization, like, I think as I've gotten older, David, I've turned into a type A personality. And I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but um, I'll tell you, in order for me to get my work done when the kids are home, 
I decided that I would create a playroom for them that would be so intriguing that they would want to spend all of their time down there. And it's really an amazing playroom that is set up into um, centers, which is a word that they use in kindergartens. And I worked so hard on creating this. I did tons of research on um, the web about, you know, kindergarten classrooms, how they're set up, just to keep the kids motivated and interested. So, David, listen to my marketing plan. My marketing plan, and I've already got interest in the article, but I um, so I'm writing this article. I've got these amazing pictures of my playroom. But why do you think I'm doing this? I'm doing this because I have this huge meeting with Babies R Us in a couple of weeks. I want to be able to get this article published in Parents Magazine. If this article is published in Parents Magazine, somewhere in that article, you know I'm going to put the word Glovies. And I want to be able to have on my website go to Babies R Us. There you go. So, so do you see how it goes right into what you were saying, that try to get something written out there? It kind of has nothing to do with my business, but in a way, I'm pulling in the business. Right. Well, what you're trying to do there is you're trying to become known. Um, mm -hmm. Now, also, what you're going to use is, is getting known for leverage so that you actually get distribution, potentially, of your product, which is brilliant. But getting known is one of the, it's actually the, the first piece of getting business. And, uh, and writing, speaking, being out there, networking with people, those are all great tactics. Uh, and depending on your market, in your case, where you're retail and you're broad, if you can write an article and get into Parents Magazine, I mean, that's, that's terrific. That's fabulous. That's going to help you a lot. Uh, and any entrepreneur who's out there thinking, oh, wow, I, I couldn't do Parents Magazine. I, I don't want to set my site so high. Why not? Why not? Oh, yeah. Every person who writes for that magazine or writes for, for Investor's Business Daily, where I've been published and everything else, they're just a person. It's exactly. just someone. So just write it and give it a shot. Yeah. And David, you know, I have this whole big thing that I believe in envisioning something and put it in your head. Get that cover of that magazine. I already have the parents' um, magazine cover in my head and on it a little blurb of, you know, decorating the best um, playroom around. And I, you know, you just got to envision the, right. the success and it'll happen. Well, that's excellent. But, it sounds like a fun room. My kids will be over later this afternoon. So when you see a 16-year-old <laughs> and a 14-year-old wanting to play in your centers, you'll know who they are. That sounds perfect. But David, we're coming to the close on paying it for But I want to thank you so much for being an incredible guest. And um, I hope to, to have you back one day soon. You bet. It's my pleasure. Thanks, David. Have a great day. Thank you, Justine. Thank you for being a part of Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi on Toginet.com. This show is dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful. Each week we'll be discussing accomplishments, lessons learned,